Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's the Killer Bees. On ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Someone uh, texting me saying that uh, Mike Evans was top ten in separation, by the way. Okay. A lot of money for that separation, though. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six seven two six seven says KJ Osborne. I really expected Osborne to take a step up last year, but then Jordan Addison was just so good. Yeah, he was. Like he, he just he stole the spotlight. So you have to be really good on what you thought of KJ Osborne going into last year, and he showed you know, maybe glimpses. that's a value play. He showed glimpses, which is scary if you're a GM because now at a, at a point yep. in time when he's a free agent you could get caught with your pants down if you overpay him or give him too many years and too much money or you could you know if you pass on him there's a chance that he could flourish somewhere else yeah it's a you got to be solid on your scout there you don't want to fall in love with the flashes uh that's that, that can really hurt you three four five one Mooney would be way better than Mechie well I agree with that I don't Mechie know if we're anywhere but yeah, I don't know if we're, we're if we're comparing like Mooney versus the Texans' fourth receiver, though. Like, I, I feel like whenever we're having these conversations about receivers, we're like, which one is the best to fill out a trio with Nico and Tank? Not is Mooney an upgrade over wide receiver four, five, and six that the Texans have on the roster? I think you're either auditioning if you're shooting for the moon, you're auditioning and bringing it, looking for a guy at wide receiver one, and if not, they're probably wide receiver three. Because your two other guys have proven that a year into the system with the quarterback that's already in place and the chemistry that they have as well, that those two guys are probably going to be your one-two unless you go out and get a true wide receiver one. Yeah, I just, just not, we're not comparing them to the, the back end of the room. We're, we want right. him to be top half of the room, uh, you know, one of your top three guys. 713-780-ESP at HRMP listener line. So, Trying to make mock drafts great again. Not trying. We are. Uh, yesterday, we opened it up to the Hive on who they wanted to be the uh, to be the Texans pick. We had Byron Murphy, Tyler Guyton, King Sumataya, and Keon Coleman. Byron Murphy took the vote again. We haven't had a vote where Byron Murphy lost it. He also took 67.5% of the vote. Keon Coleman was a little bit under 20%. So Byron Murphy, uh, he's a Houston Texan, according to the Hive. Now, uh, I think that Brian's on to something that uh, we don't think that Byron Murphy's going to be there at uh, when the Texans are on the board at 24. Mm. And also, also on top of that, this is combine week, so I think we're going to see a lot of player movement on these mock drafts depending on how they test in their combines. Uh, I said pick 24. I meant pick number 23. Uh, today we're operating from CBS's Tom Fernelli's mock draft. Uh, just going through the top few picks here to see what he does at quarterback. Caleb Williams goes number one to Chicago. Jaden Daniels, the Heisman, goes to the Falcons. He projects a trade to number two. Which did you hear the what the Atlanta was saying? What they want out of the quarterback position? They want somebody who like represents yeah. the city or something like that. I thought that was a really weird. Quote. He also just trashed. Um, what's his name that 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 lit up the Texans last year? He basically Ritter. yeah Ritter. He just trashed Ritter and the quarterback room and basically came out and said. We're looking to upgrade the position. So well, I guess he said, "If I wouldn't be here if our quarterback yeah. play was better." <laughs> so he oh, wow. trashed. He trashed quarter. Any anybody that played quarterback last year basically let them know, "Hey, we're we're looking for we uh, we're auditioning." Yeah. The um. The. the <laughs> 
that that to me was like Drake May is not the quarterback. <laughs> like whenever you say you want a guy that like represents the city, okay, well Drake May is not the future quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that's what I read when I saw that. Uh, Marvin Harrison number three. Drake May falls to four. He projects another trade. Minnesota trading up. Blah 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 blah. Joe Et, Joe Alt number five. All right, let's scroll on down to where the Houston Texans are picking number twenty three. He has the Texans taking Johnny Newton, the defensive tackle from Illinois. We're all good with Johnny, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 the the there's a caveat. Uh, there's a caveat here, and Joel brought this up during the uh, during the break. But number thirty two here goes to the Chiefs, and that's Byron Murphy. That's where the problem comes in. I, I'd be fine, you know, in a vacuum if the pick is Johnny Newton, but not if Byron Murphy's still on the uh, still on the board. Yeah, that that that's what the first thing I looked at was. Well, if you're going to go with Newton. You better really, really trust your personnel right. department that they're right, especially if Murphy slides to the end of the first round. Yeah, so I'd be I'd be totally okay with Newton. No problem with that. Now let's look at the next three picks for the Houston Texans. Uh or for the in this mock draft that we're gonna have the option of four. Troy Fatano, the interior offensive lineman, goes to Washington. Uh, or from Washington, goes to Dallas at 24. Tyler Newbin, the safety from Minnesota, goes 25. And then Keon Coleman, the receiver from Florida State, not known for his separation, goes number 26 to Tampa. So you have the pick, you have the pick between Johnny Newton, Troy Fatanu, Tyler Newbin, and Keon Coleman. Which way are you going? That's the yeah. first time we've seen Newbin in the mix. We're sitting, we're sitting standing pat with Newton because there's no need for any noobs here. And that's the first we had heard of him. I, you know me. I'm going defense in the first round. I've said that adamantly throughout this process. And, and Keon Coleman's a guy that I think in the right situation, he could be a nice add. But I, with the holes that you have to fill and with that position, that, that draft position sitting where it is and how important it is to get somebody that is going to be a perfect fit and play guy. And you mentioned it with what we heard from D'Amico. It kind of doesn't lend itself to him anyway. I'm sticking. I'm sticking with the pick that they made here. But again, that caveat looms large for me because I mean I think Big Ten football and Newton, as opposed to you know the the kind of things we've saw out of Murphy at Texas, I'm not sold that that that's the right of the two defensive linemen. But I'll stick with the one that he has here. Yeah, yeah I mean he's not on the board in this spot though. So you like you know Murphy's not in play at this spot. Right, right, right. right. So we, we don't, we're not we're not picking him over Murphy. Um, I'm. Like, these are positions that I do want the Texans to address. Obviously, defensive tackle, uh, interior offensive lineman. I, I do want the Texans to address that because I don't want to go into next year with Kenyon Green, Kendrick Green, Jared Patterson, and Juice Scruggs fighting for two starting jobs. I feel like you're going to be a starting job shy if that is the case. Uh, I'm okay with safety, too, because I, I actually want them to cut Jimmy Ward. I'm scared mm-hmm. they're not going to because you can get some cap savings there, and I didn't think Jimmy Ward was very good last year. And then the same thing with receiver. Like, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the Texans adding to this trio. I don't want a receiver in the first round, though. I don't like the safety class enough to draft one in the first round. So, to me, it comes down to the defensive lineman and it comes down to the interior offensive lineman because I'm okay drafting interior offensive line at 23, depending on what the board says. But I'm not drafting an interior offensive lineman over Jerzon Newton. Johnny Newton. Johnny Newton's my pick, Brian. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a nice snapshot of exactly what the Texans team needs are with, with defensive line, interior offensive line, uh, secondary and wide receiver so it, it definitely needs to be someone one of the from one of those four position groups the only name I would definitely cross off the list here is Keon Coleman I'm not in love with him uh going as high as 23 if you if the Texans do fall in love with him I would hope they would trade back at that point uh but of the other three players I would go ahead and, and stick and stay with Johnny Newton that definitely addresses the biggest need they have but I wouldn't absolutely hate the pick of an interior offensive lineman or a safety 
We'll see where this lands tomorrow, but the early return, uh, Keon Coleman has the early lead. The early polls say Keon Coleman at 41%, but Johnny Football, Johnny Newton's right behind him on 39%. I'd be a little surprised if Coleman wins this vote. Yeah, I would too. And I also think that the author admittedly says he's he's fallen in love with Johnny Newton, but I'd be interested to see how many other uh, draft experts, and and if Lance, if he did a side-by-side with Murphy, would lean the same way. I don't know why you're throwing Murphy in here, though. Because he's all, he confused. falls all the way to 32. Oh, so you wouldn't uh, – okay, I only looked at the four. Yeah, he had him going down. on the last pick of the first round to Kansas City. That's why I said to Brian in the break, I was like, there's no way he slides that far. But if he does and, and, and you're taking Newton instead of Murphy, I'm think, thinking that red flags are being thrown up all over the place. Like, that's a dude that you passed on? Yeah, see, I don't I, – honestly, I don't look outside of the top five and then the four picks we look at mm-hmm. unless I'm scrolling down. His mock draft sucks. Like, it really does. Being completely honest, <laughs> his, his mock draft is really, really bad. I, I, uh, I just can't see – I mean, even beyond the Texans passing him, I just can't see a world where Byron Murphy gets to 32. I don't even think he's getting like, to 23, but 32? I don't think he's going to be – I don't think he's going to be a pick outside of the top 20. I, I think I that agree. he's going to be a top 20 pick. He, Keon Mitchell, he, I think, is going to be a top 20 pick. He has him going 22. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, Le- it's not Le- a good mock. Leotala, I, 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 the, mock. the mock drafts that we do after the combine is over, I don't think we're going to see Byron Murphy in the 20s. I think that's going to start to creep up. I, I would agree. I think Sweat's actually going to creep up a little bit more, too. But if he If he doubles down on what he did at the Senior Bowl, and he's that dominant and that that powerful inside, I think his stock's going to climb too. I've been listening to Daniel Jeremiah, and he was saying that he really wants Sweat to measure. That he hasn't measured, he hasn't stepped on a scale, and he really wants him to do that. Like If he does that and it comes out well, I think, he, I think he'll be a second rounder. Yep. Uh, I think it might come down to that. But now, what does it matter? It I mean, combine or pro but what is what is coming out well on the scale? I mean, I mean, we I already think you know want a, I would think. Well, I think you want a specific size. But, I think you want him to be big. But they, he he wouldn't weigh. Now measures fine, but he wouldn't weigh in. And then he was hyper dominant at the at the Senior Bowl. I don't get like if he. I mean, in, in this day and age, everybody wants their D lineman to be three sixty five plus anyway. If he's dominant at that at that weight against guys that you know are going to be you know, his competition coming out, I'd be pleased with that. I don't care what if the numbers are. If everything else was the same between player A and player B, and I'll go to your world with like a point guard. Okay. Player A, player B, they're the exact same player, except player A's 5'8", and player B's 6'3". You know I'm a sizist, Jeremy. I know you're a sizist. <laughs> but That's I'm why saying, I'm surprised but, you're, but, you're but, so but staunch about this. This isn't his height, uh, these his two size. guys. But I, I'm just saying that the, the major concern was his weight, and I don't think he's going to eat his way out of the league when we've seen all these guys that – that go and I don't like to be pigeonholed either as going. See, I think my, it's the, I think it's I think it's the other way though, Blinkers. I think that they want him to be a certain size. Like I want them they 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 want him big. I don't think they want a small nose tackle. But they were worried because they thought he was going to weigh in at the Senior Bowl as like twenty twenty five pounds. They plus. thought he was heavy. They thought he was heavy. Yeah, I see this as as a concern. Like if I'm his agent, I'm concerned if he weighs in, let's say three sixty five. I think they're concerned that some GMs are going to cross him off their list because they huh. believe he's out of shape and that, that what he did is not going to work in the NFL. I think they're wrong. I think he's proven that that weight for him works. But I think there's going to be some confirmation bias used by some scouts to go, I, I'm not drafted guy with quote-unquote weight concerns if he's weighing in at that same amount that they expected. But, but that's why I'm saying he, that the weigh-in was first. He refused to do it. Then he went out on the field and he absolutely mack-trucked a bunch of highly rated offensive of linemen it's like if he does that i don't care what he weighs yeah, yeah. same 
I wonder I wonder if it's a certain size too between like a three four four it three might be. where he can play in both type of deal. Uh, yeah, that that is interesting. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener listener line. Uh, you can go vote at Jeremy Branham on who you want. You can go vote at ESPN ninety seven five as well. Let's cash it or trash it. What are you cashing? What are you trashing? Your hot takes, your overreactions that you have. Let us know. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. We'll cash them or trash them next on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Mike Holly, U of H class of nineteen ninety, go Cougs. Uh, used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect your business. They've been protecting businesses at HRP for nearly 25 years. Mike Holly, Chris Fisher, uh, great people over there. Uh, HRP is unbelievable what they do. They're the very best at what they do. They're top shelf at what they do. But their people over there are fantastic. From Mike all the way at the top, Chris, to everywhere uh, throughout the entire company. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRMP. You need a little help, a lot of help, anything in between. HRMP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. They're going to work with you to figure out what's best for your business. Their customer service, second to none. We just told you about how they're, they're such a good people over at HRMP. You'll fall in love with their customer service. You'll never talk to a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Uh, we use HRMP here, of course, at Gal Media. Very thankful for that, by the way. Anytime that I have a question, very quick response, very easy to understand. I'm an email guy, too, uh, and they're, they're still responding to emails around the clock. It's fantastic. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. <laughs> Prepare for overreaction on my mark. It's that time of the week where overreactions are welcome. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. What was he afraid of? Boom! I take It's Cashem. That is so good. That's exactly right. Or Trashem. This is your hot take. Hmm. Seems like an overreaction. With a killer bee. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. All right, let's get to Cashem or Trashem. What is your cash, Blankers? What are you cashing or trashing Cash or trash this, Jeremy Branham and Brian McDonald, that for the same price as Mike Evans will end up signing for, the Texans will sign two running backs and a corner in free agency. Two running backs and a corner? Yep. Uh, Let's say you get Singletary at four. They sign a decent free agent for, let's say, six. That's ten. You said a corner? Yep. Corners are going to have to not be very good. Mm-hmm. I, I think, well, I, for what it's worth, I believe the market projection on Spotrack for Legarius Sneed was 14 per year. Yeah, and, he was, and, and Evans was projecting was around 25. Yeah, Evans was right around 24. Uh... You, 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 have, you definitely couldn't splash at running back to make this happen. You'd, it'd have to be Singletary and another Singletary type. Now we're predicting this happens. Or they could do it. I I predicted that it will happen, that the Texans will get two running backs and a corner for the same price as Mike Evans ends up signing for. Huh. I think they can do it. I don't think that they will. So, technically, I'm going to trash this. Trash. 
But I also have no clue what Nick Casario is going to do. That's what makes all of this fascinating, now, too. Like, if we we know that Nick Casario has a tell in the draft where he's like a Will and Dylan son of a gun, we don't know how he handles free agency with a winning team. No clue. Yeah, and my, 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 my question for you then on that response would be, is it the running back that he might take in the draft, or is it the corner, and then is it a corner that's going to be ready to plug and play right away, or does he need to develop, and therefore you still go in free agency and get a corner? See, I don't, other than the top corners, I don't think it's a very deep corner class. So um, I think he goes to the draft. Maybe he re-signs Steven Nelson. Like, if you're going to sign a veteran free agent who's kind of mediocre, why not just bring back Steven Nelson? Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see him going that route. I could see him drafting one now who's available at 23. You know, like, that comes into play. I think you need to have a plan in place before the draft ever happens since the draft comes after. So I could see him signing, like, a mediocre free agent and then drafting a corner first, second round. I don't think he's going to sign – two, like, legit running backs, and I'm including Singletary. But, I don't think he signed Singletary and then another free agent running back that's better. See, I, I think, to kind of Joe's point, even if it's not both, even if, you, if we go, what, yeah, the, the, <laughs> some, the artist known by, as the name, um, I, I would go with the fact that even if you take Singletary, you could go Singletary and Eckler. You could go Singletary and another back in that range and still improve your running back room enough, and, and that counts as the two running backs. Yeah, I want to trash it. What do you got, Brian? Yeah, it's it's complicated for me with the seeming mutual interest in Saquon to the Texans. Because if you sign Saquon, you're probably already at 11 or 12 out of that 24. I mean, maybe it's only 10, but I, I, that number could go up. So I, I think I would have to lean with trash, trash but I, I do think you're on the right track. But if Saquon signs here then I think that probably goes out the window unless they're just really, you know, bargain bargain hunting on cornerback. The Texans will try to get a new stadium within the next 10 years. Oldest Ooh. retractable roof stadium in the NFL. And I also think for them to get another Super Bowl in Houston that they need a new stadium. Within the next 10 years, and they're starting to build up the good graces of the city. Now, you of course, you want to get this from the Travelers tax and all that. But within the next 10 years, Texans will try to get a new stadium built. I'm going to trash this. Trash I- I, I just think that that they still believe that this is this is a premier stadium in the league. Obviously, they spent fifty extra million dollars on a roof that they never use, and now there's rumors that it can't work even if they wanted to. But I, I don't know that they're going to be able to fly that. I don't think that they're going to privately fund it. They're going to look for the city to do it. I think that's going to be an uphill climb. I I'd love it if they they found a way to do it. I just don't think they can. I'll trash it. Yeah, I, I'm going to trash it as well. You, the trash. argument you make about the Super Bowl is compelling because I think you're right. They probably don't get another Super Bowl unless they upgrade. But I just don't see that the stadium is in that much. You know, it's not it, It's not what the Astrodome was at the end. It's not in a state of disrepair where fans are complaining about the quality of the stadium. So I, I don't think there's going to be a, a really a, a push to get a new stadium just yet. Brian, what you got? Uh, so quickly, I, I think what we've seen now from this year and last year was some Scott Boris agents, specifically Cody Bellinger and Carlos Correa. Now, Carlos Correa was two contracts ago because certainly he got a longer-term contract this time. But I think we're starting to see signs that the you know, outside of the elite of the elite in baseball, some of their contracts are starting to go into the – the two, three-year player options and then reset and do it again when the market goes up because of TV contracts, you know, increasing uh, revenue across the sport. I think we're going to see some more of that, and specifically with Scott Boris agents. We've seen that trend. I think it actually opens the door for Alex Bregman to possibly return to the Astros because 
the five, six, seven, eight year deal isn't there, and he's going to be, probably be looking at something like Cody Bellinger year did, which was three years, eighty million. I think that opens the door for the Astros to suddenly be willing to have that conversation. I was going to say, for how long he might he might try and do a, another make good for a year or two. But even then, I, I, I trash this because I just don't think it's happening. I, I think that there, Bregman is going to be hell-bent on the numbers that he thinks he's worthy of. And even if it's not the, the term, I think that he's going to be chasing the money. And I don't think the Astros, even on a short-term deal, are going to be willing to pay the, the AAV that he's going to be looking for. And, and Boris is going to try and demand even if it's on a short deal. And I think they'll move on. I, I just can't see the Astros doing that at the money that it looks like he's going to try and command. Yeah, trying to command is not the issue, though. It's what somebody's willing to offer you, like Bellinger. Like, Bellinger was commanding far more money than he was ever offered. Same thing with Blake Snell. Like, Blake, that's the reason Blake Snell's not signed. Uh, I, I, do, I do think that Bregman's number and what we've heard are, are completely off base. I don't think he gets anywhere close to the numbers that we're hearing. Uh, so I, I think that he can play his way back into the Astros' price range. But I also don't think, like, if he blows up and has a huge year, that that's goodbye. Like, obviously, great great to have you for this final year, uh, but see ya. But, yeah, I, I think Brian's on to something in the sense that these long-term deals aren't there for players who are in their 30s. Baseball has wisened up to that. Um, he's not going to get the contract that he wants. But I also think one caveat on top of this is that Bregman's not going to have to is going to have to have a pretty mediocre season yeah. on top of it. I would agree. Uh, so that. I kind of cashed it, I think. Did you? A key from LA over aggressive girl scouts trying to sell their cookies. I'm going to cash this. They shouldn't be so aggressive. Just let the product do the uh, do, I do think the, the selling. parents are more aggressive than the kids in a lot of ways. They guilt trip the hell out of you and, and all your friends with daughters they they don't take no for an answer but then the one box isn't good enough. Yeah, I love the Girl Scout cookies. Just let the product sell itself. All right, Astros unrealistic, realistic player projections. I'm going to dip out. Boys will take you the rest of the way. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. But on the way out, I got to leave with a bang. Gentle Ben, finally a drink you can feel good about. I like a good drink at the end of the day. Vodka, gin, bourbon, all in the rotation for me. And Gentle Ben Spirits does it better than anybody else. How? Their revolutionary Perseido technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you'll ever taste. Purification of Gentle Ben is unrivaled. You'll love what's not in it, including undesirable acids. These acids take the enjoyment out of your drinks. Well, Gentle Ben gets rid of the undesirable acids so you can enjoy. Try a sip of Gentle Ben vodka, gin, straight bourbon, or cash drink bourbon, and compare it to what you drink, you'll never go back. I've been a Gentle Ben man ever since I had that first sip. You get all the flavor with none of the burn. It's smooth. It's clean. Eliminates the burn. Enjoy your drink. Don't work through your drink. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store on your way home today. Ask for it at your favorite restaurant or bar, just head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room. Uh, if you're going to the Rockets game soon, stop by Ben's Bar on the way to your seats. Minute Maid Park will be opening soon. Stop by Ben's Bar at Minute Maid Park as well, or just head to GentleBen.com. You can learn about the outstanding legacy of Gentle Ben, their incredible story. Learn about your new favorite drink, but you can also order online. That's right. You can order the vodka, the gin, the bourbon, the whiskey, all at GentleBen.com. Head to GentleBen.com. Order now. Add it to your cart and have it delivered straight to your doorstep. GentleBen, period. You found the killer bees. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Hey, back on the bees. How about this, Brian? 90 in the books, 90 still to go in the big show as the 
Rearview mirror has what's left behind, and is the windshield a, has a variety of possibilities as we go forward. Is that a callback to a previous show? Yeah, and the suspects, we might have done that. I might have done that with sitting in the A-chair. Since I'm in the A-chair back again for 90 minutes or so, I might pull a few of those. Um, AJ loved when I called the, the show the big show. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah, it drove him nuts. Uh, so we were talking, and this kind of rolls into, you had a... a an idea here role based coming off of what we were just saying too about Bregman, like what's realistic and unrealistic about some of these Astros and the player projections, because look, we saw Correa bet on himself. Did he get the money? Yeah. Did he live up to it? <laughs> year, I don't know. Yeah. Year one was pretty good last year. Not as last much. year. Not so good. Last, right? last year. Not so much. So it's interesting. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I, I'm, I'm curious in terms of, you know, who we're looking at, what we're talking about, because there's a lot of guys that have a lot to prove or could actually make a big difference next, this season. Yeah, really outside of Altuve and Jordan, I mean, maybe there's another exception or two here or there. There's a lot of seemingly unknown. We did this, uh, I, I think it was yesterday, we talked about like best or what's the range of outcomes for some of these Astros starting pitchers. Yep. And, you know, whether it be the age with Verlander or the first half, second half with Fromber or uh, Javier and Hunter, Hunter Brown not performing up to expectations. There's just a lot of seemingly uh, variables in what we can expect from the, the Houston Astros this year. So I found it interesting to look at uh, projections, and these are from Fantrax, which is a fantasy platform, what their projections are for the Houston Astros player. And in this segment, we'll start with the pitchers, because I think that's kind of the star of this. That's maybe more the unknown than the hitters. So we'll start with Verlander. We'll start right at the very top. Now, right off the top, they're only projecting him for 24 starts. And I know Jeremy doesn't believe he'll start the season on the active roster. So that seems to be in line with that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise he'd be projected for 30, 32 starts around there. But don't so, you also think with the six-man and, and the way they want to be, protect him the, that he the, might not have as many? The, true, but uh, just speaking for the rest of these projections, like guys like Fromber and Hunter Brown, they're at 30 starts. So, I mean, that there might be a, a six-man factor in that. But I think a large part of this is the... Hey, he's 41. He's coming the season not ready to go. So, yeah, they're already knocking off six starts off uh, of Verlander's projections, which it's it's worrisome. I mean, it's, it's especially since he's 41. It's one thing if you're 26, but a 41, yeah, I start to worry about that a little bit. So Verlander's projection here, unrealistic, realistic, Joel. They're projecting him for 10 wins, a 393 ERA, 149 innings, and 118 strikeouts. So well below a strikeout per inning and an ERA Right, damn near four. To you, is that unrealistic or realistic? I think it's unrealistic. I, I think that the other thing that we're thinking about here, strikeouts, I understand. As much as he's chasing. Because strikeouts have gone down yeah, like three they, years I, in a I, row. I anticipate they're going to do it again. I, I don't anticipate him to be the same type of pitcher. Right. But I still think he's going to get the results. And you see what happened when he left the Mets. Once he got to Houston, he picked up a lot more wins. This offense at least on paper and going into the season, looks like it's a better offense than a year ago. I think if he's on the mound, I think that he's going to keep his team in games, and especially in the regular season, and obviously with the opponents not being as as tough as in a playoff series. I believe that his ERA is going to be hovering, I said yesterday, between 325 and 350. I think that's going to translate probably to at least four or five more wins. I think he's got to average about 15 wins, 14, 15 wins, to try and get where he wants to go with the 300. 
So I'm going to say that it's unrealistic because I think the strikeouts is realistic, but I don't think that the ERA and the wins are. Yeah, I agree with that. I, the, the strikeouts, especially if you're putting them at 149 innings, I think is very realistic. But I don't see how Ver, I don't see Verlander taking a step back to a point where his ERA drops by seven tenths of a point. That's that's a huge drop. Yeah. And only ten wins and twenty four starts with this offense also yeah. feels fairly unrealistic. All right, next starting pitcher up uh, there is Fromber Valdez. They're projecting four, four more wins here, so fourteen wins for Fromber. ERA is a little high. Then I know you have some confidence in Fromber getting back to being a Cy Young mm-hmm. candidate. Uh, these projections aren't quite as confident in that. So 14 wins, an ERA of 351 uh, with 195 uh, innings, 202 Ks. How many starts? Uh, well, this was 30. This was 30. Okay. See, I, I think if he gets to 30 starts, I think he'll have more wins. Again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on this offense being a, a huge factor in the pitching staff, getting more dubs. Uh, and, and because of the back of the bullpen as well, I think it's the combination. I think it's the fact that you've got three basically lockdowns, and if you can get into the sixth inning, I think that especially if you get in the sixth inning, but even if you give five solid innings, you're going to be in play for a win most nights pitching the way the top two and three guys in this rotation can pitch. I think his wins are going to be up. I do think he's going to have a bounce-back year and be dominant, so therefore I'm going to say unrealistic. Yeah, the interesting thing to me with this is they kind of middle ground the ERA because I believe, really, there's only two ways Fromber could go, and it's not here in the middle at 351. Either he's the inconsistent pitcher we saw in the second half and he's lost something and his ERA is in the fours, or he's a Cy Young candidate a Cy Young candidate again, and his ERA drops below three. And as you mentioned, with the, with the back end of the bullpen, Frombert obviously has been a guy, and they're projecting with 195 innings. He's a guy that goes deep into the game. Mm-hmm. If he's going deep into the game and he's pitching well, he's going to end up with a whole lot more than 14 wins. He could be a guy that challenges for 20 wins with this offense. No doubt. And think about this. One, he came in in better shape, and he yep. looks like he's tightened up. And two... If he doesn't have to go as deep into games because you have that bullpen, then hypothetically he should be fresher and and stronger the next start. So instead of being taxed by going too deep into one game and coming back, I think it might be the exact opposite, which would help him. And therefore, I think he's going to have a better year than they're projecting. Yeah, certainly. So next starter up, uh, Christian Javier. I, I do, I do find this number to be fairly, uh, fairly accurate. I would say, but they're projecting him for eleven wins, an ERA of three seventy three, uh, and striking out one hundred and seventy five over one hundred and fifty seven innings pitched. So three seventy three feels a little high, and I certainly think he can do a little bit better than that. But I get the concerns given that his ERA jumped up two runs from 2022 to 2023. But again, those two guys are guys I'm banking on because I think that the the, the kind of rest in the offseason, the re- recharging of the batteries, the no WBC, or even thinking that you were going to play it, whether you did or not in the case of Fromber, I, I just feel like he's going to be fine. We know he doesn't go deep into games. I'm not worried about that. We know he can strike guys out, and his, and his stuff still translates. If that's the case, and this offense is as good as I think it can be, I think he's going to have more than 11 wins. That's where I would I would push back the most. I think he'll have more wins. I'll take his ERA hovering. They said 3.7. 3. Three, three, yeah, 3.73. Three, I, I, I think it's going to be closer to around 3.50. But I'll take all of that and say the big thing for me is I think he'll have more wins. Yeah, I, I, I do as well. Now, I think Javier, and I've said this before, I said it last week, I think he could be potentially the best starter on the staff this year because his strikeout stuff is, is 
not, I don't even think it's even arguably. It, he's he's got the best strikeout stuff when he's right of anyone on this starting pitching staff. So I kind of think this is kind of like a Fromber situation where either his ERA is going to be way lower, or if he's not right, the fastball velocity is not back, his mechanics are still off, then that ERA balloons up. But Plus, uh, what's yeah. scary is they got him locked down already. Yeah, so you, you don't want to think about the fact that he could blow up. Yeah, I, I don't either. The only thing I would say with the 11 wins is – I mean, he's he's not traditionally been a guy that goes deep into the games. Maybe right. he doesn't have to go deep into games because of the back end of the bullpen, but he certainly leaves more room for the middle relief to give it up than Verlander and Fromber do. Yeah, he's normally he's normally going to give you five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, last starting pitcher here, um, I I hope that obviously this guy could do even better than that, but uh, it w- it would be a a, run, a jump up from. About a one one run differential from last year's ERA to this ERA, uh, this year's projected ERA. So Hunter Brown projected for eleven wins, three ninety nine ERA, and one hundred ninety one strikeouts over one hundred sixty seven innings. See, I, I was thinking about this, and because you've got so many talented pitchers at the top of this rotation, I think that the potential to have the best stuff on the staff still could be Hunter Brown, certainly, especially now because they said he was developing more of an off speed curveball to kind of. Uh, balance out the hard slider and the fastball. I think he's going to he he's going to bounce back and have a better year. Yiner and and, he, and him and chemistry and calling pitches and all that stuff's going to be interesting. They had to a see. good report of the minors. Yeah, they did. And I hope that 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 kind of is a feather in his cap for how he starts the season and, and his comfort level. But I I just to me, I think he's going to hover around 4. I I don't think he's figured it all yet out yet. Um that's why I'm looking at the guys coming back from injury as potentially pushing him second half. But I, I would say that it's pretty realistic in terms of the wins. I think that's on the high side if he gets to double digits. I, I just don't have the expectations that he's there yet. Yeah, I think this is fairly realistic as well. I, I, I Hunter certainly, as you said, he could have the best stuff on the staff. I think his potential, like his, if he hits his absolute upside this year, it's going to be better than a three ninety nine ERA. But I also think that we saw from him as a prospect, it wasn't this like super linear path where he just rocketed up and was you know only going up and moving up to the, moving up the ranks of, the, of Major League Baseball without any hitches. He had that great year, I guess it was in 2022 in the minor leagues, but it wasn't always that dominant every stop of the way. So I think he's going to take a few more stops in his development in the major leagues before he gets to his upside. I, and I, so I agree. I think he goes from you know five-ish ERA last year to right around four this year, and then he makes a bigger jump going into next season. Uh, let's do one more uh, for the pitchers, and then we'll uh, carry this over to the other the side. Back, yeah. yeah, carry this over the other side for the hitters. Uh, let's go to the bullpen. The closer, Josh Hader, they're projecting a 259 ERA, 35 saves, and three holds, which I thought was interesting, hmm. and uh, 91 strikeouts over 59 innings. I, li- I think the saves is good. The holds is interesting. I think the ERA is too high. I do, too. Yeah. I Look, I, I can't ever project a below two ERA. But I certainly think it's going to be. I think it's going to be right about there. And if you look at his track record over the last several years with two different teams, it was he, yeah. it was it was r- below two. So I, I think that that's unrealistic because of the <clears throat> excuse me the holds and because of the ERA. Yeah, I just don't. I, I get the idea of maybe if the eighth inning is coming up and you're maybe say you're facing uh, a team with you know two strong lefties. I get mm-hmm. the temptation and. and the possibility that they would use Hater, uh, but yeah, it seemed like uh, it seemed like the Joe Espada was really locked in on Hater is our closer. That is his role. And you know, Brian, it's an interesting conversation because he, in the past, has been kind of standoffishly pushing away from multiple innings, 
and it was to get the contract, and it was to take care of himself. Well, now he's taken care of. So it's going to be interesting to see, is he going to be more willing to give you a little bit more for the benefit of the team, knowing that his finances are all locked up and he's the highest paid reliever in the game? Yeah, that could be it. Like, if if the eighth inning is looking lefty-heavy, maybe it's just that he goes two innings, not that he goes one inning and then Presley comes in. That's why I'm watching it, because I think that he has to have a different frame of mind the way they took care of him. So there you go. All right, so we'll get to the position players on the other side. If you want to chime in, 713-780-3776. You can call or text us. Let us know how do you think that they got those projections right or wrong for the pitching staff, and then what are you expecting from some of the key hitters in this lineup as we'll cover that next. Uh, Give us a call. We'll continue to roll on. Jeremy out to do U of H basketball. Brian and I are in for the rest of the show, and we look forward to having you be a part of the Hive as we keep pushing forward. Before we go to the break, I want to tell you about the good people at MyBookie because MyBookie takes care of ESPN 97.5 listeners pretty continuously. They always take care of their customers. They love to take care of you if you use our promo code, which is BET975. They do it in a variety of ways. And right now what they're doing is what they always do, which is their deposit matches, and it's fantastic because there's a variety of different ways to get these bonuses. If you get a friend to sign up, you get a bonus. If you get you, you, you are new to my booking, you set up an account, and you use our promo code, you get a bonus. If you are reloading your account, you get a bonus. All you got to do is remember every and any time they ask you for your code, you put in bet975, and you're going to reap the benefits because they do the match deposits on the new and or, or the the reloading of your accounts to anything from 50 to $1,000, whatever you put in, they'll put in. And therefore, you got more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and more chances to win. Get a friend to sign up, you'll get a bonus for that too. And of course, they love taking care of you other ways too because they, you know that it's the place to go to always bet on sports because they've been in business for over a decade. You ain't going anywhere, they're not going anywhere, so your money's safe and secure, and they're going to take care of you. But other than that, even when the sports aren't going on, from UFC and golf and hockey to NBA and college basketball, there are ways for you to get your gamble on with MyBookie.ag. Live dealers standing by all the time for casino games like blackjack, like poker, like roulette, and you can play right there from the comfort of your own home. No need to go to any casino in or not so near the house. That's fantastic. Always remember our promo code, BET975. Do what I tell you to do all the time. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag. You are listening to The Killer Bees and some great music presented by R.C. Ranch. The official beef jerky of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Yeah, and if you didn't know Blake Shelton lovers or not, Blake Shelton's kicking off the rodeo tonight as we get things started for the fiesta that is, what, about three weeks yeah, of, of yeah, all the country western barbecue and rodeo that you can handle. You going out to any uh, rodeo shows this no. year? I'm not. I don't. I don't prefer my concerts on television. So therefore, most of the times when I see a rodeo concert, for me it's tough because I think you spend more time looking at the screens than you sure. do yeah. trying to yeah. see the stage. So no, I'll, I'll pass on that. Yeah, Plus, I, it's tough because I'd have to go by myself because my wife is. Oh, your wife's not a not a fan anti rodeo. Oh, okay. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. You go at all? Uh, I haven't been in a while. Um, I've seen ZZ Top there a couple times, but Ooh. I haven't been in a while. And it, the first time I saw ZZ Top, it was was actually the last uh, last rodeo at the Dome. So that was pretty, it was. I guess that would have been 2002. I think was the last. So time. it wasn't literally their last rodeo, but it was the last rodeo the last, at the Dome. Yeah, it was. I don't remember what night they were of that rodeo, but it was the last rodeo inside the Dome. Yeah. Z top now? No. <laughs> 
Oh, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, man. Too soon. Too Just soon. ask it. Just ask it. All right, so we covered the pitchers last segment. Now we're looking at realistic and unrealistic player projections for position players. This ought to be real interesting because there's some guys, when you look up and down this lineup, that one, in the case of Alex Bregman, needs to have a breakout year and to kind of prove himself, or a guy like Yiner Diaz, who you're hoping continues to progress and prove himself. Yeah, the interesting thing I found about, and you'll see this as we go on here, uh, for these offensive projections, much different than the pitcher projections, is other than batting average, they kind of just copied and pasted the stats from last year, so it doesn't seem like they think uh, anyone's going to take a major step up. And on that note, we'll go ahead and start with, I know one of your picks to to break out, and that being Yonder Diaz, the Mm -hmm. Astros now full-time starting catcher finally. So the projection for Yiner Diaz this season, uh, pretty close to what he did last year other than his RBI total, but it's a 271 average, uh, 26 home runs, and 81 RBI. Do you think that's unrealistic or realistic for Yiner Diaz? Well, so give me the – I like the 270-some batting average. That that actually entices me. What's the power numbers? Uh, 26 home runs and 81 RBI. I, I mean, look, first of all and foremost, I would take that. I would take all of that for him, but I, I expect more. Because he hit, what, 23 last year as a part-time player? Yeah, that's what I'm player. saying. I expect more bombs for him as a regular player in the lineup. And with the bombs, I would spe- I would expect that that translates to more RBIs. Now, the average is questionable to me because we know that he as the season went on, yeah. he swings and misses a lot. He chases a lot. So that would concern me. That's why I love the average. And I don't know how realistic it is, but I would love it if it was there. But I think it's unrealistic to think that with the season that he had last year and the pop in his bat, whether he hits for average or not, I think the home run numbers would be higher, and thus I think the RBIs would be a little higher. Yeah, I think the RBI total could certainly be a lot higher, especially I guess there's the question is, is he hitting fifth, is he hitting sixth, and you know we'll see how uh, Joe Espada uh, orders him and Jose Abreu, but let's play it out. I know in, uh, in when we did the exercise the other day uh, for the projected starting lineup, I know Jeremy had Yonder Diaz hitting fifth. I don't remember where you had them, but let, let's play it out that he hits fifth. And he's coming after Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, and Jordan Alvarez in some order. I would think 81 RBI would be on the low side if he's Me hitting too. fifth after those four players. Now, I think early in the year, a spot is going to start him at sixth. Probably. I think that a lot depends on what kind of season Abreu's having. But I also believe that if he's having a breakout season, a spot is not afraid, no matter how long Abreu's been in the league and what they're paying him, to move him over Abreu. And I think it actually would do Abreu a solid. He might actually relax a little bit more and get and get you know better pitches, especially if Yiner's hitting the ball well. I just think for now he's going to start the season in the six hole, and that's fine. But I still think the table's going to be set for him enough that there's going to be plenty of opportunities if he has the pop in his bat. Again, the average to me is like icing on the cake if he hits over 270. Yeah, 271, like you said, I would sign up for that immediately. I'd be, with, with the power I expect from him, I'd be happy even if he hit like 240-something. Yeah, I, I would be. I would be fine with it, but 271 would be fantastic. I, w- I was thinking, you know, in and around hovering 250, 260 sure. would, be, would, be what would be good, acceptable, but I, I'd say that by also saying I expect his power numbers to go up and for all the reasons that we mentioned. Yeah, certainly. So let's go to the other player we just mentioned with Jose Abreu. Uh, it's interesting here. They don't seem to really be buying 
uh, what happened with Jose Abreu post-injury Second turn. Yeah. yeah, August 20th. Uh, we went over the, these numbers uh, last week. I don't want to bore everyone yeah, you had with winning every, three, yeah, three MVPs in one year with your projection. <laughs> I don't I don't want to bore everyone with the, the entire numbers, but look them up on baseball, baseball reference. His playoff numbers and his regular season numbers after August 23rd were fantastic. So the projection for Jose Abreu, uh, according to fan tracks, is a two fifty three average, 19 home runs, and 84 RBI. Is that unrealistic or realistic to you? I think it's realistic. I, I think it's realistic because if that's what you're signed up for and with the rest of this lineup improved a little bit, it still would be fine. I would expect the average to be a little higher. I think he's a better hitter than two fifty. But I think the power numbers probably are a little lower. I don't think I don't know that he's got 20 bombs, 19, 20 bombs in his repertoire anymore. Uh, I, I just don't. But I think whatever adjustments and whatever happened to change from the, the you know from the the first three quarters of the season to that stretch run that he put together leading into the playoffs, I'm hoping there's a there's kind of like we meet in the middle between the you know the the two halves of the season or the two parts of the season, and then him figuring it out in Houston and being more comfortable in year two. I I, I expect Jose Abreu to hit somewhere around 270. I I think his home run numbers are going to be more closer to probably 15 ish. But I, I think that he's going to be a productive bat in the lineup. I think his RBIs are going to be de- – I think he'll be probably in the 70, 80 RBI range. Yeah, the RBI number is the one I, I'm most fine with, with the projected 84 RBI. I think that's I think that's pretty close to accurate. Like you, I the biggest problem I have is the 253 average. Yeah. I think he – not that he's going to, you know – flirt anywhere close to 300 or a batting title but i think he could i think he could hit 265 yep. 270 uh just being the professional veteran hitter that he is i also do think 19 home runs i'm buying i do buy into the second half uh surge surge a little bit i do think he hit, does a little better than 19 but it's totally fair do so you think he can get 20 home runs i do like i, I if i were to project it i would have maybe 22 23 so at night right. at 19 it's it's fair like i it's a little on the low side to me but it's absolutely fair so I don't have a big problem with it. Uh, let's go with another uh, Astros player that you know people all, all have their fingers crossed on that can have a uh, a bounce back and who hasn't hit a home run in uh, what about eight months at this point? And that's Jeremy Pena. So the projection from fan tracks on Jeremy Pena is a 253 average, 15 home runs, and 58 RBI. Is that unrealistic? Or realistic to you? I like what he's done with his swing. I like quieting his bat a little bit more. Uh, in his approach, it looks like he's shortened up the swing a bit. At least, again, when we talk a lot with the Brave, I thought in the second half of the season, as particularly late in the season, I think that he kind of threw away the notion that he was swinging hard and swinging for the fences way too much, and he started learning to take the ball the other way a little bit. You know, learning to be able to do something with the off speed on the outside, uh, and that was encouraging to me. I think he's worked hard in the off season. I don't know if those power. I think. I think Jeremy Pena, if he's if he's just making good contact, is capable of twenty home runs. He did it in his rookie year, right? I, I, exactly. I think he hit like twenty one or twenty two because of the because of just the, the physicality and the power that he brings to the plate. So I would say the home run numbers are low. I would say the average is slightly low, but I I project him in and around two sixty two sixty five maybe. Um, and then the RB, RBI numbers, batting as low as he is in the lineup, I think yeah. that seems about right. Yeah, the RBI number, I think, is the, definitely the most fair. If he's hitting eighth or ninth, uh, 58 is probably all 
you can really expect from Pena. I do think this is kind of an all for, all for nothing with Pena. Like if you believe uh, in his his fixing the fixing of his swing, and Jeremy's talked about you know getting more lift on the ball, slight swing swinging a little bit more under it. So, but also making better contact. If he's making better contact then I think he hits better than 253, and he's powerful enough if he's making better contact that he's hitting more than 15 home runs. I don't think you can have one without the other. If he's making better contact, then the homers are going to be above 15, but if that swing doesn't correct itself, then I don't I don't see how the power translates uh, there as well. Uh, so let's head over to some of the more established names in the last minute here we have of uh, of this segment and go with the two biggest names in the lineup. Jose Altuve, I've got a Did big— Did you cover Bregman? Uh, you know, let's yeah, you're right. Let's let's get to Bregman. Let's get to Bregman. He's someone else that's probably a little more uh, up top in the of air. mind for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, t- uh, top of mind, a little more up in the air as far as the the range of outcomes compared to Altuve or Jordan. So the fan tracks projection for Bregman: two sixty two average, twenty three home runs, and ninety four RBI. Unrealistic or realistic? I think I think it's fairly realistic. I think the power numbers are interesting to me. Uh, it's about what he did last year. Yeah, I, I think, oh, both RBI and home runs. I would like the average to be higher. I think looking for money, he would like the average to be higher. But I think that's who he is at this stage in his career. I don't think that his average is going to hover 280 and above or 275 and above. I think it's pretty realistic for him. Yeah, I, I do. I do too. I, I do think if one of these numbers is going to jump up, I think it's the average yep. because of his eye. Especially if they go with what we've talked about with hitting him leadoff. And he's got, you know, Jordan right behind him in two and Altuve at three or some variation with that with Tucker included in in that combination as well. I think the pitches he sees are better. He's got a great eye. So I think if one of these numbers jumps up, it's the average because he's got the eye to do it. I think the fluctuation is I think the the home runs could go down. I think the average could go up. Overall, I don't think it's going to translate to the money that he thinks he's worth. Uh, And that's going to be real interesting to see how hard of a stance he and Boris take. But the one thing that I just can't get on board with, no matter how much I, I love the way a spot is managing early in the conversations we've had on the show, I just don't think anybody but Altuve is batting leadoff. Yeah, well, let's 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 finish up here with Altuve before we uh, move on here to the next segment because this has this part of this projection. You'll probably guess which part right away. I think I have the biggest problem with of all the projections we've okay. talked about so far. So the fan tracks projection for Altuve: uh, two eighty average, twenty six home runs, seventy one RBI. I don't see how in the world they're projecting a 280 average for Jose Altuve. He hit 303 yeah. last year. He's got a 300 plus lifetime average. I get that he had a couple seasons where he, his average dropped under 300 for a few seasons, but I think that's past. We saw he, him bounce back in a huge way once he got back from the wrist injury that he suffered in the World Baseball Classic. 280 seems very, very low. How many low. bombs he hit last year? Uh, it, well, last year was obviously a short I know. season. I, I know, can, that's why I I'm can asking. look it up as you're talking about. But he's his career high in home runs, I believe, is 31. So it's not too far outlandish. But he, once he came back, he found a groove to where he put up a decent number of bombs late in the year to where the 280 is first thing that caught me. I think he's going to hover around 300. Obviously, as a leadoff hitter, you don't know how many of his home runs are going to be leadoff home runs. Therefore, the RBI total might not be as high. 17 home runs last year. So he hit 17, and he was out about a good, half a season. About half a season. Yeah. So I think it's realistic to think he could hit 26 bombs. I think the average is too low. The RBIs might be a little low, but I won't. I won't kind of nitpick it. But I think if he's hitting leadoff, I think 71's fair. Yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah. 
All right, uh, yeah. There's the, Give there's, me Yordan real quick. You want to do Yordan real quick? Yeah. So the, there's a couple in here I think are kind of a little bit low too. So Yordan quickly, uh, 291 average, 36 home runs, 105 RBI. To me, that screams if you think 105 are now maybe that's a product of how if many they're, games if they're he buy, plays. Well, well, exactly. Maybe they're buying into the idea that he hits second and the RBI total drops a little bit. But I don't see how he only hits or drives in 105, and I'll even say with the home runs is too. I don't see how he only hits 36 if he's playing, you know, 150 plus games. Unless he's hurt, I think 40's the number on the bombs, and I think that. Uh, the teen, the 110, 115 range for RBIs is kind of like the median for me where I'm st- where I'm looking. I expect him to have a big year. I expect him to be healthy. I, I just feel like this is this is a kind of year where he's going to be in the MVP conversation. I-, I think this is where he puts it all together. So I-, I think those numbers are low. Yeah, I do too. Just for comparison, we we don't have to debate his numbers as a as a as a full stat line. But Tucker, they're projecting for 118 RBIs, so 13 more than Jordan Alvarez. Maybe that's a product where he's hitting. Maybe it's a product of where he's hitting. Maybe it's a product of them being more uh, confident in his in his ability to stay on the field. But uh, I, yeah, I think the RBI total for Jordan is too low. All right, let's get to a break, and then I might have a question for Brian before we move on from this. But we'll continue to take your calls, texts, and all the different ways you respond on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, you can call us seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Text that number as well. We got a final hour left to go in the show plenty more to get to and it always involves you so stay with us and, and give us your suggestions if you think that those numbers are off tell us what you think that it's that some of these guys are going to be at uh we'll continue with the final hour of the killer bees right here on espn 97.5 92.5 fm